Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us, they were competitive games, though they were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up, we were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying, because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. We're excited to have another week with Kristen Miele. And if you haven't listened to last week, um, man, go back and listen, especially if you're a parent, there's... A lot of gold in there and just wisdom um, in terms of how to talk sex, porn, body parts, things like that to your kids. And this week, um, talking to Kristen just about culture, where culture's at in the church and outside the church and some maybe some lies that have been out there that have keep mm-hmm. people stuck. And she would know she's the founder and owner of Sex Ed Reclaimed, teaching parents and kids about uh, about sex ed and, and also has a master's in public health. And so she's been teaching over 10 years in Christian circles and secular places and just lots and lots of experience. So excited to have you, Kristen, to talk about where we're at in this world. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. This would be such an interesting conversation, even to get your perspective, because Matt and I talk about it a lot and I talk with my wife and I know know he does as well too, just about the world and the state we're in right now. Um, And there's two angles to this because we have in regards to sex and education we have kind of the angle of, of um, in Christian circles that maybe some of us have been raised up in called the purity culture, which um, maybe was a little bit more shame-based, work-based um, kind of mentality. And then we have our world where we're in right now where um, anything goes. Um, <laughs> there's no tethering to any kind of absolute. Um, it's it's whatever you feel um, is the, the flavor of the day. So um, I guess for you, how have you navigated that? Because you've been in both circles. <laughs> and and what does that look like for you to try to kind of come back to that that Christian worldview that's grounded in truth, but then being able to recognize where we're at? Yeah, I I did grow up in 
height of the purity culture. Um, I was influenced by it, and many of my friends were. And as I've entered the world of sexual health and sexual brokenness, I have heard more testimonies from the purity culture narratives that were utilized. Um, most of the testimonies I hear are not good. Most, most are negative. And I really do believe that the teachers in the movement of the purity culture had good intentions and were actually probably trying to teach the truth. Yeah but they were doing it from a really legalistic standpoint. And that is not the gospel. That's actually not um, the Bible. That's not the word. Um, God does command us to do and not do certain things, of course, right? But um, that is not the basis of how we are justified before Christ. We're only justified by his blood alone and we're guaranteed to mess up. We're also guaranteed to be broken. We're all, we're all full of flaws. And so I think the purity culture whether intentionally or not, completely missed mercy, um, hope, grace, forgiveness, um, being bought by the blood of Christ. And instead, it taught legalism. And that might have been a way to get into schools because they weren't doing it in a Christian way, right? They were just doing a don't have sex. Um, if you have sex, you lose this. Um, you'll be this. Um, you'll get this. And I will say in public health in general, that's a pretty common method to use. Um, for example, you know, you might go to health class and they have this day where you see a car that got in a wreck because there was a drunk driver and you look at how screwed up the car is and think, oh, that could be you. That could be you. But does that stop people from drinking? No, it doesn't because it doesn't get at the heart. It doesn't get at the root of your drinking addiction. It doesn't get at the generational aspect of it. Um, and really, that's all biblical stuff, you know, getting at the heart of it, looking at generational sin that all is affirmed, confirmed in the Bible. Um, but for a few people, that does work. And so a few people are so scared by that car that they will never enter a car where somebody is, is drunk, um, for sure. And they'll never drive drunk. But most people, that doesn't actually get at the roots of drinking and addiction and alcoholism. Um, so I will say, I've had some people say that they did well in purity culture, that it helped them. But those, all of them have been people who also were really seeking the heart of the Lord in their life. They were looking at what he commanded. And so when it's paired well with that, great, total success. Um, but when it's just um, unhealthy metaphors and legalism and um, scary pictures, that's not a healthy way to view sexuality. But mm -hmm. that's what a lot of people who are parenting grew up in. And so I definitely deal with purity culture a lot because it's still in our minds um, as right. parents. Right, yeah, more than we even realize. We don't mm -hmm. know how much yeah. of this stuff is ingrained in us. Can you, you did you you threw a few out there, but are there some other examples, some some prime teachings from purity culture that that you could just give uh, give to the listeners? There is, sadly. <laughs> um, the more popular ones are like, I don't know, like a sock. Like you try on a sock for the first time and. It's great and fresh and new, but then after that, it's worn and nobody wants to wear like an old dirty sock. Um, there's um, like some people have commented on my Instagram post that once you had sex, you were compared to like a, a used trash can or right. something, which I had never heard that one, but that's right. terrible. Um, as you know, a piece of tape was really common. You can see this on YouTube, purity culture uh, teachings where, you know, tape is really sticky and it works really well and that's what it's supposed to do. But once it gets stuck on a bunch of different guys, or a bunch of different girls, it's usually guys, because they usually um, made fun of girls who had had sex, then it loses its stickiness, therefore it loses its value. 
So it has no purpose anymore, which is terrible. Like it's a terrible thing to say to women. Um, and you're always connected to those people and that's just it. You're just, there's nothing you can do. Right. No. right. And now you have no purpose and no value. Um, and by the way, that doesn't even take in like trauma informed care or response. Like what about people who've been abused? You know, yeah. um, I think it was, there was a woman who was abducted and raped um, and she talked a lot about the narrative, the purity culture narrative of a rose petal, I think. Um, and like, you know, or, or I'm sorry, a, a rose and a rose being passed around and it gets dirty and ugly and like some of the petals fall off. Mm. And that was her virginity, but then it was taken. And wow. so she was taught like that um, out in Utah and then um, was raped. And so felt like she was that rose that was just ugly and not as beautiful as a rose could be anymore. Um, and it just really hurt her, damaged her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The thing that I find most about purity culture is there's zero, zero um, inkling of God's grace in there yeah. and mm-hmm. his redeeming work. And, you know, when, if you're sexually pure, that means that you've saved sex for marriage, but if you haven't, then you're impure. And even like there's, there's uh, women who have had sex before marriage and then they don't have a, a white dress on their wedding day because they're like, well, I'm, I'm not pure anymore. Yeah. And I think, right. but where's God's grace in that? Mm-hmm. He does actually make you pure and white as snow and he does. So um, even there's lots of, lots of couples that they've sa- saved sex for marriage, but then they get married and it seems like their sex life is not blessed because they have all these troubles and struggles. Mm. And it's like, well, I thought that God was going to bless me because I did this thing. Yeah. Yes. And there's all these, and, and then on the flip side, if people don't save sex for marriage, why do they get a good sex life? And exactly. I didn't. So lots yeah. of questions around purity culture that I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's rooted in scripture and people did intend well and at least they started a conversation maybe that other people weren't doing but yeah. but it did cause a lot of harm and shame and lacked god's grace for sure yeah yeah and the, the sad thing is i like you were saying Kristen, i think that the heart behind it um it was to help um you know a lot of people that that taught that kind of model um it was to help because i mean in the culture we see this it's it's kind of this um, um, anything goes kind of mentality and, you know, what stays in, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of mentality when it comes to sex, you can compartmentalize it and, and, um, it doesn't affect your life. It's just this thing that's, you can put away. Um, and we know that's not true. So then the boomerang effect of uh, response to that was don't do it <laughs> and, uh, you know, don't rack up any baggage, you know, try to keep this purity, whatever that, that means for people, maybe not understanding that. And, and like when you're using the analogy of a rose and, and, and save that for marriage and then in marriage, you can let that flourish. And, and so many people heard that messaging and, and felt like they, yeah, they got kind of wrecked in that. Um, and, uh, but then at the same time, there is consequence to what we do sometimes. And, and often we miss that. So you can boomerang the other way where um, you, the response to the backlash to the purity culture and the, the kind of works-based legalism was, well, fine, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to go the other end and I'm going to just, you know, do whatever, do what the world is doing because I don't feel God's love here. So I equate that to God and maybe you know, and people lose their faith or struggle in their faith or whatever else. So now the other end though, um, so we talked about purity culture and now moving toward the world. Um, how does a Christian response uh, to that bring hope? Um, and I think we know the answer to that, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because so many people don't get that, you know, when they just live and, and do what they, they feel and they don't realize the damage that's happening to them, but we have hope for them. So what is that hope? And maybe break that down. Yeah, I think one of the amazing things about free will, which we have, is that we experience the consequences of our free will um, because we so often choose 
what goes against, you know, God, God's desire for us. And so we see the world falling apart all around us. We see confusion and sadness and um, anger. And um, there's just all of these constant effects of sin displayed for all to see around us. And yet, um, I think for, for some reason, this is coming to mind. I think all people kind of think that they're good and that they um, were almost like born good. And that's, that's not true. Like we, we were born with sinful flesh. Like we have these fleshly desires um, that are not good for us. And so I think there's such a good teaching opportunity for our children, um, for the young people in our family to hear about, Hey, look, look at what the world is doing. Like, look at what your friends are doing. Um, even look at what's happening in this TV show that you're watching. Like what, and granted a TV show is not real, right. But what are some of the effects of what they're doing? Um, you can point to the consequence of sin all around you. You can point to the consequence of sin in our own life, but in particular, I think you can point to how we feel things and then those feelings like don't pay off. Um, so like, we feel like we want to do this, like this will bring us happiness. This will bring us fulfillment. This will bring us identity. Like if only we were able to do that, but then look at the people who have done that and how their life has turned out. Like there's so, there's still so much sadness. There's still so much depression, anxiety. Um, so I think we have, while it's super sad to see the consequence of sin all around us, we do know what the answer is and we do have hope and we do have victory over death and we can preach this, live this, enjoy this, um, in our own lives and with our children as we say, okay, let's look at the natural consequence of sin. Let's look at what you did yesterday because you felt like you really wanted to do that. But then when you did, it didn't actually turn out so great. What does that teach us? Like, how do we live because of that? Um, what does God say about that in his word? And, um, God tells us, you know, how to live, but, but we then choose to make ourselves our own gods. And that doesn't end up fulfilling us. It doesn't end up bringing us happiness. So I think there's a lot to say about what the world's engaging in and what we engage in too, because we are also human and um, how that doesn't pan out. And the only hope we have is we need a savior and that savior is Christ. And yeah. he has already paid the penalty. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, and yeah. even even consequences, I believe, should point us to God, or that's a design is like point us to God. Okay, this happened. Now I don't want this anymore. Yep. So every time a consequence comes up, it comes to mind. It can point us to God because He doesn't He doesn't uh, punish us because of what we did. He, he He cares about us and gives us discipline or a consequence mm -hmm. um, to point us to Him. And I think that that's part of the lack of what happened in purity culture is you're like, well, I'm impure and I'm I'm not right before the Lord, but it's, and you even spoke to it, it impacts your identity or you're trying to find identity. I, I ask people all the time that I'm coaching, like if God were to describe you in a sentence, what would he say? And it's, I mean, maybe it's because of what we're talking about with pornography or sexual sin, but it's always, it's always uh, like I'm a hypocrite or I'm dirty or I'm a work in progress. And I'm like, man, no, like according to God, you're a beloved child of God and you're fully accepted. And we just think that because of our sin that we're not. Um, but on the yes. flip side, and we, we talked about this on a podcast a couple of months ago. And that in Galatians, it says to not nullify the cross of Jesus because we're not justified by our good works. So if we don't, if we don't engage in sexual sin, then we feel like we can go to 
prayer or spend time with God. But if we engage in sexual sin, then we think we can't. And so that's saying that we can spend time with God because of our good works. We didn't sin. Yes. And that's right from purity culture. And so I, I, I love that we're talking about it and you've got, so you're bringing up such good stuff because it's, it points us to Jesus. Like everything should point us to Jesus and we got to realize that we can go to him with everything. Um, and I'm I'm curious now to change it a little bit because you work you do a lot of work in John schools and maybe for people who don't know what John schools are, mm-hmm. um, you can share a little bit about what that is, what they are. But also, I'm curious about your experience in that and what you found um, as you as you've been involved there. Yeah, so John schools um, exist probably all over the world, although I'm not sure. Um, But in our city, they exist to help um, buyers, people who were trying to buy women, men, or children, um, trying to buy prostitutes for sex, to they actually help to see those men as they are and to say, okay, we know that you did this. This is illegal. Um, We caught you doing this, but we want to help you get better. We want to help you to see it rightly and they're not christian in nature um but there's a lot of honestly like biblical possibilities um there's even biblical principles behind it in my opinion um but it really just seeks to engage the men in conversation engage them in counseling and and encourage them to see their sexuality from a, a healthier perspective and understand that many of the women they were buying um are not they're not choosing to do that. They weren't excited to do that, Mm. but rather they come from histories of abuse um, that nobody wants to be in prostitution. So that's what a John school is. Yeah. So that's, that's great, Kristen. And uh, I'm curious too, because I mean, we, we mentioned like kind of what your experience is there and seeing the mentality. And I know we brought up this verse um, a few months back about worldly sorrow, how worldly sorrow is you got caught. That's why you feel bad. And then yeah. there's godly sorrow, which is the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life outside of any ramification from external consequences. It's that godly thing that happens to all of us, um, you know, when we're seeking him. But so with these guys um, that are in John's school, do you find that they're more, they feel bad because they got caught? Or is there some sort of work in their heart you're starting to see as you're, you're educating them that, wow, you know, what I was involved in um, was damaging? Have you noticed that? Yeah, so the guys in the school I teach at, it's their first offense, uh, most of them. That's why they have the option of going to the school rather than um, going to jail. And so a lot of them are, I would say, unrepentant. Um, They don't, they're they're just mad that they got caught, like you said. Um, They're kind of stuck like a deer in headlights and, okay, I have to report to this thing. But there's a small group every time I teach that you can tell just wants to learn and wants to do better and wants to know know more. Um, and I talk about porn a lot because I teach about sexual health and I know that porn is connected to their health and to how they view sex. It just is. And I had a guy recently who was young. I mean, he was probably like 20, 21, um, was caught. And, you know, I live in like a university town. And um, so I'm not sure if he was affiliated with the university or whatever, but I was talking about the trauma of seeing porn at a young age and how children don't know what to do with that information in their brain, but they also can't forget it. And that's like a sign that it was traumatic. And he raised his hand and was just like, wait, so I have been trying to figure out that moment my whole life. Like, is that what I've been doing? I'm like, yeah, that's very possible that you've been trying to figure out what happened to you um, and kind of piece it together in your brain. And 
and go back to that and figure out what your sexuality means because of it. And he looked pissed. Like he had just realized that this traumatic thing was done to him. You know, he was shown it by a friend and that began a probably a path of addiction. I don't know. He didn't say, he didn't use that word. Um, And he was just so angry. And there are men who come out of the John school who end up becoming advocates to fight human trafficking, uh, to end up teaching in the John school. And so it's really cool to see what happens with these men. But generally, um, the counseling aspect is really important in their lives too, so that they really start to process their own hurts and their own traumas. And that's what I love about these schools is they see these men as not just offenders who are the problem, but rather as people who have come from their own histories, their own abuses, potentially. Um, and so, yeah, it's been it's been honestly a privilege and an honor to be in those places um, to get to talk to those guys, because I know I'm in a way I'm, I'm just like them. You know, we're mm. all broken. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Would you say a high percentage of them have abuse in their past or like early porn exposure? I would I would say that a lot of them have early porn exposure, excuse me, but I don't know about the abuse aspect. Um, and interestingly enough, when they do surveys after the schools that I teach at, um, they ask if they're sexually, these surveys ask if they're sexually satisfied in their own marriages because many of them are married. And over 50% say that they are. Mm-hmm. And so it's really just, it becomes this kind of like exciting thing that they can do on the side to experience adventure, to um, try something different. You know, they don't, it's not that they're not sexually satisfied and that's why they're going out to buy a prostitute. Um, but I would venture to say that they're so deep into, you know, lust that um, this is kind of the natural consequence, the natural outcome of their porn addiction is it goes somewhere. Like we all know that porn goes somewhere. So. Right. Well, it sounds like kind of a microcosm of the fog that many find themselves in when it comes to addiction or sexuality. Uh, There's a lot of confusion or they're not really thinking about it. They're more reactive to their impulses that maybe uh, come from porn or come from past uh, experience or even our greater culture as a whole. Um, And we're we're such strange times now um, in regards to all this because there's so much confusion. It, It seems like whatever truth is for people and the culture, it's made up in their mind. So it's always moving and shifting. When we see the identity stuff, we see uh, just sexual behavior as a whole um, and where it's going. So um, I'm so curious because this is an interesting situation you're in. Um, when they're presented with um, maybe some truth that you're, you're talking about where they're, they're kind of looking inward, is is there pushback? Are they not willing to kind of go there? Um, uh, the Johns, like how, how did, how, where's the breakthrough coming? You know, I don't know for each of them where the breakthrough is happening. Um, it, what's interesting to me is how diverse these populations are. Like we all know that porn can impact anybody's life, that anyone could purchase, um, another human being and there, you know, there will be doctors, lawyers, um, family men, like self-proclaimed family men with multiple kids, um, senior citizens. Like I had a guy in my last class this past weekend who had a cane, you know, he was in his eighties. Um, and there will be guys, like I mentioned earlier, who are late teens, early twenties. And so it's such a diverse group of men that everyone's coming from such different experiences and different stages of life. And I truly think that some leave probably unchanged. And in my opinion, that speaks to the stronghold on their life, right? The spiritual stronghold that is just on their life. Like they will not admit they're wrong. They will not um, seek to process anymore. And it's just like, you know, 
talking to a wall almost. I mean, you can definitely see that. Um, and probably some don't want to come to terms with it because when you recognize even human trafficking victims, people say that when they recognize they were trafficked, it's like, oh, now they have to dig into all this stuff. Like some of them don't even want to admit that yeah. they were abused and trafficked yeah. because that opens up a whole new level of, oh my gosh, I've on, undergone all this abuse and now I have to think about it. So I think some, there is no breakthrough, sadly. Um, others, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, if it's just something that is taught that just opens their eyes, um, I'm really not sure, but I know that some, that, that many guys leave and, and never, you know, are caught again. However, some, some, commit this offense several times and, and go to jail. Um, so that's a good question. I, I don't think I have the answer to it. Yeah. Well, and I, I didn't think you would in a sense, cause you're right. Everybody's so complex and unique. Yeah. Um, and their situation is different and, and the Holy spirit works in, in, in such mysterious ways sometimes as yes. for us as individuals, what, what, what kind of hits one person or, or impacts them will not impact the other. So, yeah. it, so you're, you're absolutely right in that. And, and, um, uh, I guess to moving from this, uh, I'm kind of curious as well to like, when even with the sex education, what has culture done, um, to sex ed as a whole? I know we're shifting quite a bit here, but I'm so curious about this. What, what has it done to our sex ed as a whole in our, in our world, um, based on where we are right now, what, what shifts have you seen that, um, are really playing out? So when I was teaching sex ed in, in public schools, primarily, I would say there was a big focus on healthy sexuality. I put quotes up because that depends who you ask. I mean, it, what is healthy sexuality? It just depends. Um, so what we were teaching was healthy relationships, you know, um, avoidance behaviors, how to say no, um, what to do when somebody sends you a nude image, you know, technically sexting is illegal because it's images of child porn. Um, so what do we need to do now? We were teaching students about their bodies, anatomy, puberty, um, you know, pregnancy, and then there was always the component STIs, like what are the infections? How do we avoid them? And we usually had a birth control piece, depending on the school we were in. If we were in a Catholic school, we couldn't teach the birth control piece, but um, which we did. We taught in Catholic schools and we taught in youth groups. But if we were at a place that wanted to hear about condoms and birth control, then we could. So um, it, it felt to me like pretty simple in a way, like really, really straightforward and good, like all good information, all something that I would be comfortable with their actual parents being in the room and watching me. I mean, I was so all about sex ed that seriously, I would have loved to have taped myself and then shown it to parents who were like, I don't know, sex ed, that sounds scary to me. I would have loved to have been like, no, actually, it's really good. Like, here's what we talk about, healthy relationships, your body. But there was a trend, which this is only growing exponentially, of it becoming really focused on LGBTQ stuff. So um, a lot of focus on like um, gender norms, which again, gender norms are fine to talk about. I mean, there's so much that's not biblical about gender norms and um, how, how diverse a, a man or woman can be in their personality and characteristics. And But then there was just this trend towards like kind of normalizing everything. Like everything is normal. Um, and that was a bit scary. And that definitely was uh, for me, like a bit like, oh, okay, I don't want to go in and start teaching kids all of these things in the sense that they're all fine. They're all good to talk about because some of them are not like some of them are not good to talk about. Um, and yeah, I guess I could expand on that more 
but there, there was something which most, maybe a lot of parents have heard of called the gender unicorn. Um, and the gender unicorn is not super bad in and of itself, but it depends how it's taught in some schools it's taught and you can look up the gender unicorn online in some schools it's taught that basically girls can do anything boys can do anything like job wise which is great right no, no problem with that but in other schools that means that you can be whatever gender you want at whatever stage you want um and your sexuality is super fluid and it can change like the seasons um and that's not really true right <laughs> we know that's not true yeah. um so yeah there there is a little bit of a crossover right now um and it depends where you're located. Are you in a more conservative area, more liberal area? Uh, what kind of school system it is where everything is becoming normalized. And that does honestly freak me out a little bit because it's not true. And I don't want kids to think that it is. There's a lot, there's a lot to this stuff. Mm -hmm. When I do it, when I do church staff trainings, when yeah. I, I start out the, the training by saying, why talk about porn? Why talk about sex? Well, the world talks about it. We'll get into that a little bit. Jesus talked about it. So the church needs to talk about it because the church has been silent. Because you're in the church, Christian circles, and outside, I'm curious to know, what do you think is the the role of the church in uh, influencing the world? And how can, how can Christians or believers do that uh, when there's so much brokenness in the church but also outside? The role of the church in influencing the world, I think, starts really personal. It starts in one-on-one -on -one type interactions. Mm. When I think about my like my students, meaning the students I've taught before, the students who will view this curriculum, um, I do think I imagine like individual faces. Maybe that sounds weird, but I imagine individual people because if we as the church are speaking to let's say people who struggle with same sex sex attraction, we could speak to that generally. Of course, and there will be truth that's shared, but each of those same-sex attracted individuals will also have their own testimonies and their own stories and their own, I don't know, fears or confusion or, or sin issues. And so I really think about one-on-one -on -one discipleship, like what it looks like to raise up the next generation who loves the Lord, who knows the Lord and who knows his word is good and how they will then rub shoulders with people who are transitioning with kids who are identifying as a different gender um with kids who are struggling with gender identity with kids who are super you know sexually active or um living different very living very different lifestyles than them um and i think about how much those relationships matter it seems like so many people's testimonies of like conversion were really um almost like begun with someone else being faithful like mm. just saying yes, whether they just um, talk to them, whether they engage with them over the Bible. Um, obviously, the Lord opens the eyes, opens the heart, makes people soft towards him um, or allows people to be soft towards him. But, but us being faithful and saying yes is, is really big. So when I think about the church's influence on sex ed or um, on culture, I mean, that's a big question. I'm sure like whole podcast could be taped on that, but I really think about one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And that's where I go back to the family and like what's happening in the home, because that's where you really raise your kids up. You can raise them up to know God, to know what he says, um, what's good for them. And so um, I think a lot about how then they will go out in the world and minister to their friends who are of completely different values and beliefs or are struggling. Mm. 
Yeah. And that's when I think the church has great influence on culture because people are individually being touched by Jesus in somebody else's life. Yeah. That's so powerful. Cause I think that sometimes the model we have in our mind is we leave it to the professionals. Um, I mean, parents with uh, youth pastors or ch- children's pastor that, that they hope that they will raise their kids in the right way. Yes. Um, yeah. and even for us, you know, while we, I mean, it's great inviting somebody to church, but often we, that's where we end. We invite someone to church and, and hope that in that message that they'll hear what they need to hear, but we miss the relational part that we're in that person's life and we can have great conversations and story to story see Jesus mm-hmm. at work. And uh, so I think what you're sharing is amazing. There's a book I read called State, Stay Salt uh, f- uh, f- a few months ago, and it talked about that. You know, it was uh, that personal evangelism, uh, face-to-face interaction that, you know, in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, with our kids, with um, our family, whoever, we have that personal relationship, and that's where we see those opportunities. So I absolutely love that, and that's so true. And that's a great point, I think, for all of us listening out there. We're on mission. <laughs> we all yes. are. And you're put in that place because God called you there and the relationships you have, they touch, uh, I mean, you touch those lives. So, you know, what does that look like for us? And I think that's uh, a good kind of scary, (laughs) you know, that's a step of faith that we're all in. And I think that's so important and um, a great point, I think, for us that gives us some hope and uh, helps us understand that God's the one doing the work, working in us and through us. So. Um, right. really powerful, um, for us as the church, we are the church and, uh, it's not just a building. And, yeah. uh, so, um, I, I, love what you're sharing there. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something really special just to add to that about seeing yourself, like in other people, there's so much othering in the Christian world, like they, they, um, you know, and that that's not true. Like we're all broken. And so when, we do that one-on-one like friendship, ministering, evangelization, um, sharing of what God has done in our life. Like that's so powerful in different ways than when somebody listens to a sermon or when somebody comes across something else. And not that God doesn't work in those. Like he absolutely does. Those are needed and just so important. But um, there's just something special about like one-on-one relationships and seeing that I am not better than them. Just like when I go to these John schools, like, I am, but for the race of God, go I kind of situation. Like I could be in that person's shoes if I had lived their life, you know, but I didn't. Um, so yeah. I love that you keep saying that about how we're all broken. It's so true. That's been one of the cool changes that, that I've seen in myself when I, I hear of people doing terrible things in our, mm-hmm. with, like with that come to our ministry. And I'm like, I, I see the person and I didn't used to yeah. for sure. Just, mm-hmm. I would see the yes. thing that they did. And we still, I mean, especially when it's legal or abusing people, we still have to take a strong stand. But just to be able to see the person is so key. And I I was thinking of when you're talking about um, one-on-one discipleship, I was thinking of a guy, Jason, in Pure Freedom Journey, who dealt with his porn addiction, I think it was like 30 years. And and it was like pretty quickly he dealt with it once he started going through uh, Pure Freedom. And and I said, what's the key? And he's like, well, I've learned to have a relationship with God like I've never had in this in this area of brokenness and what it did was it led to openness in his family and so at that time his daughter was maybe 13 or 14 and getting messages from men on social media and then that opened up that conversation so then they talked to her about what that uh, what that might lead to and then she started talking to her friends at school high school about sexting and nudes and social media and she started influencing all these kids and then these kids started coming to 
to Jason's house and him and his wife would start talking to these kids. It was really cool. And then sometimes they talk to parents too. I think it's ongoing too. It's been like over two years this has been happening. And it's because one guy dealt with it. Yeah. And it led yes. to all of this. And uh, wow. it's awesome. It actually, if you're out there listening, there's stories on our home ca- on our homepage, restoredministries.ca. So just about five minutes, you can you can watch that. But it's so true. One one person dealing with wow. it can impact the world, yeah. and yeah. Uh, we see it all the time. So Kristen, thank you so much. This has been a joy talking to you, and love that we got connected. And just for those out there, can you share about Sex Ed Reclaimed, about the courses you have coming up, and where people can find you? Absolutely, yeah. Sex Ed Reclaimed is for kids ages three to eighteen. Um, their parents their youth groups, their school teachers can utilize the content online at sexedreclaim.com. All the content will be released soon, but you can check out the website now or check out the Instagram at sexedreclaimed. Um, There are over 70 videos of content ready for whatever age your child falls into. Um, They can learn all about sexuality from a biblical perspective. And if you're listening to this in the future, not the first week it came out. It's probably live already. You can definitely go check it out and take advantage, especially if you're a parent or if you know someone who is a parent and they want to talk to their kids. Uh, such great resources. So um, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of our tribe. And we look forward to chatting next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.